three historic nonprofit organizations are moving forward under the same name with the introduction of Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. The name represents all services, programs, and opportunities offered by Portage Health Foundation, Dial Help, and Copper Country Senior Meals. While there's a new name, the mission remains the same, to positively influence a healthful community through enhanced philanthropy and collaboration. The combined effort will lead to better opportunities to identify and fill gaps in services and programming in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Onsenoggin counties. Visit coppershores.org to learn more. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Glad you're along with us on this Sunday morning or at any time. If you're listening to our podcast, you can find us at most of the major podcast platforms or at QNRReport.com. We are brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at coppershores.org. Well, we went snowmobiling in the first segment of the program this morning. Now let's slow it down a little bit, but stay outside and hit the trails. There are some things going on at the Swedetown Trails, especially one big project that we're going to be talking about, and I welcome in from the uh, Swedetown Trails folks. Uh, Jen Schaud is here. Hi, Jen. Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, Craig Hughes, who is the past president of the Trails Club is here. Good to be here. And Larry Zorowski joins us by phone. He's the current president. Larry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for hosting us. The Sweettown Trails supporters basically support what happens at the Sweettown Trails. For those who don't know, and there may be some, explain what the Sweettown Trails is slash are. Sure. Uh, Sweettown Trails was established back in the 70s, I believe, and we uh, groom both ski trails in the wintertime and actually now snow bike trails and uh, snow shoeing trails. And in the summertime, we have all sorts of uh, summer trails uh, for hiking, running, mountain biking, of course. Uh, and so we use uh, club membership to help pay for all these activities. And we've just slowly grown over the years. How many members do you have? Uh, last year, we were in the low 400 memberships. That's a lot of people for an area like this. Uh, obviously, and the trails are very popular. You use them for all sorts of things, John. We do. Um, I know that our group uses them um, to to sit ski, um, and they do a fabulous job of maintaining the trails, and uh, you can stand up ski, and we have a fabulous time. Yeah, Jen, of course, has been on the program before, part of uh, Equipment Loans in Keweenaw, and provides uh, equipment for people who are disabled to go out and use the trails. The Sweet Town Trails, uh, they make a special effort to accommodate, or is this the kind of thing you do, the kind of thing that can be done on pretty much any trail system? You can um, sit ski on any trail system, but one of the things about our fabulous community is that um, Craig and Larry and the groomers at Sweetown do a fabulous job of, ma of making sure that there is a, a gentle path onto the trails so you don't have to go over a big, steep incline. Um, so it's an excellent place to ski. Well, that would, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, you think about the trails being accessible. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily think about the path to the trails being accessible. All of these things I learned from you. This is uh, this is wonderful. Let me bring uh, let me bring uh, uh, Larry Zorowski in here on the phone here. We don't want you to feel that we're ignoring you here, Larry. Um, <laughs> uh, you are the president of the club. What does that entail? Well, um, I mean, per the bylaws, the president leads, puts together agendas, leads boards, meetings, etc. But it's a lot more than that, and in particular. The role I've fallen into is we have so many good ideas being generated by our board members and other members 
that it's basically looking for ways to get these things done because there's an infinite supply of good ideas that keep coming in and people see what we're doing and appreciate it and they, and um, and we see the difference we're making and it just kind of snowballs. So I find myself almost like a, uh, ma- you know, managing the, the growth and we are, we are growing because of what the community sees we're doing. So it's, it's a, it, and plus, it, and I do a bunch of other things. For example, I'm the Shelley manager and I help with the technology and I just help out as needed. So it's a, what's one thing about, that's nice about Sweet Town, all our board members and officers do a lot more than just what is defined for their role. And that's why we, I think, are so effective. Define technology. What kind of technology goes into this? Um, well, webcams is the, the first thing that came to mind. Uh, about 10 years ago, I had a friend who mentioned he had this thing called a webcam, and then we tried one out at Sweet Town, and now we have four or five, and people, they're very popular with the... Um, the users, they can go to our website and see what the conditions look like without having to, um, you know, call somebody or, or, or get an indirect report or whatever. Uh, for for so conditions, they're not there, for example, to watch me falling down <laughs> and have everybody who's watching <laughs> laugh at me and share it out on uh, on TikTok and, and make me a laughing stock of the copper country? <laughs> Correct. In fact, they're, um, they're positioned as such that you... I don't think you could even identify who. You could probably see somebody fall, but we wouldn't know it was you. <laughs> and it would be me if I were to go out and, and try it. Uh, what are some of these ideas? You, you mentioned all of these ideas that people have for the trails. What are some that have been implemented out of that pool of ideas over the past five or six years? Well, uh, I can think of a couple. One, one is we acquired some land recently, um, and and that is that is. It was a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of fundraising, but uh, adding adding some land that has allowed us to add a little bit of trail and secure long-term uh, viability of certain trails, that's been a big a big project. Um, we've expanded some other trails and uh, done some smoothing and leveling and widening in certain places. So, yeah, just all sorts of things. How far have the trails come? What did they look like? Uh, do you know even do, what, when they were first when they first started? Yeah, that was before my time. But I can tell you, back in the early '90s, they were very '90. Uh, they, they were very, excuse me, uh, narrow, and you know, and we still have many narrow trails uh, to enjoy. But they were very narrow, and lots of places where at the time they were throwing in. Um, pallets and and straw or waiting for three feet of snow and so we've we've done a lot of work to to enable you to ski when there's just four or five six inches of base that was going to be one of my questions how much and and i asked this in the previous segment of the snowmobile club Uh, people because snow here that we measure is not necessarily the amount of usable snow you get six inches of lake effect snow and you try to groom it that doesn't do much for you right how much snow do you need to make the trails work uh depends on which trail you're talking about but if we have a good four inch base you know that's compacted snow uh there most of the trails are open and once you get to a 10 12 inch base everything is open Okay, so the little bit of snow that we've had over the last uh, couple of weeks here, it's tantalizing. But it's not quite enough. uh, People have skied. I actually skied for the first time yesterday, and it was um, very marginal, marginal, and I would not recommend it. Okay, Uh, do you open, close the trails, uh, Larry? Uh, Do do you uh, let people go out when it's marginal like this, or uh, or not? In 
conditions like this with marginal snow, I mean, their their skis are at risk, obviously, with yeah. the, the thin base. But no, we don't prevent that. The only time we discourage people would be, for example, in the spring when everything's breaking up and muddy. We would discourage people from going out on the trails before they dry out, and then, um, and also, um, sometimes, particularly in the spring, you'll have a a meltdown mm-hmm. and using the trails like skiing would just leave big ruts and make it worse. Yeah. So we encourage people to stay off the trails, but, but no, in, in general, I mean, the sweet town recreation area is open 24 seven and, um, you know, people are out there doing whatever, uh, activity they enjoy. Is there any specific fee to use the trails? Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, we, um, we ask for a, um, um, um a, we have daily memberships, which for using all the trails are $10 and then an annual membership, which is a hundred dollars for an individual and 150 for a family. And that covers all of our activities year round. So it's, uh, it is something you do. You, you need money, obviously to do all of this. You have to go out, you have to make sure these trails are, we know that snowmobiles, they have those big $400,000 grooming machines. How do you groom the cross-country ski trails? That's a great question. I'll, I'll cover this since it's kind of my area of interest. Um, we, we also have the $400,000 grooming machines. So that's where a lot of the that membership money goes to is paying. We, you know, we only have one where the snowmobile group has four or five of them. But uh, one big machine, um, and it's the same size as they use on Mount Ripley. Um, you know, it's, it's a big Oh, it's not a piston bully, it's a print-off husky, but it's a big machine, and we also have four snowmobiles and lots of rollers and drags, and uh, so that's, that's what's needed to groom. When do you do that grooming? Uh, as soon as we can. As soon as we have a good, like I said, four-inch base, we'll, we'll be out there with snowmobiles, and then once we have a 10, 12, 14-inch base, we'll be out there with the big machine. Okay, but you go out, I assume, oh, during sorry. the season on a regular yeah. basis. What time of day do uh, you... We, we groom every day, whether we need to or not, we, and, and that's kind of a, a joke. We have to every day because we get snow almost every day, and even if you don't get snow, that going out makes the trails better. That you know The daily grooming makes the trails better, even if you didn't get a few inches of snow overnight. And typically it's every morning from 5 or 6 a.m. until they get done, which is between 10 and 2. And there are points, I assume, that people have to watch for you guys on the trail. Because right. If you're a morning skier, you need to watch. But that being said, we're very loud. You know, all, <laughs> all the machines are quite loud, and they're hard to miss. So much for peace and quiet on the Sweet Town Trails if you're out there in the morning. You know? Right, right. Well, but it's an important job, and it's an expensive job. Correct. How many people do you have who operate these machines who make this all happen? We have six or seven groomers a year. And they're all part-time, but six or seven different people groom this, the, both the ski trails and the snow bike trails. Larry, of the money that you collect from trail use and membership, how much of that uh, goes, what percentage of your budget is that? There are got to be money that comes from elsewhere, I would assume. Right. I mean, uh, uh, roughly, we've always said our, our membership revenue covers our operational expenses which is paying the, the grooming staff, maintaining the equipment, paying for fuel, operating the chalet, paying the electric bills, et cetera. And then our other revenue, for example, from our events like the Great Bear Chase and Great Deer Chase, 
fundraising things. Uh, the obvious um, example that's been really good to us is, is um, Copper Shores Giving Tuesday. Yes. And other sources of revenue like that will um, fund the improvements we want to make. And both of those are important, right? The, the, the ongoing operations to have a quality experience for everybody, but then people, we've, we've seen people really like these improvements and, and that keeps them coming back for more. And it kind of, uh, you know, feed, it feeds on itself. So, so that, that that's a rough breakdown the, between the operational expenses and the, and the, um, the improvements. On the other hand, every time you make an improvement, every time you extend a trail, there is more long-term cost because now you have more trails to groom, you have more maintenance that you have to do. So every time you make an improvement, your overhead goes up. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. Yes. So then you need so. you need more people to come in and enjoy the yeah. trails. Um, I should say too that we're talking about the Swedetown trails. A lot of this applies to the other trail systems here in the Copper Country. There are similar groups, uh, groups similar to the Swedetown Trails Club that operate and help out with the Mostohito trails, uh, the Chassel trails, the Launch Township trails, and the other trails that are available here in the area. And if you favor one of those organizations, one of those trail systems, uh, and you'd like to help, you want to get in touch with that group that helps to maintain them because all of the trail systems if i were interviewing them we'd be talking about much the same thing Correct. much the same topics much the same procedures mm -hmm. and all of these trail systems as as we talked about in the first segment of the program this morning with the snowmobile trails all of these depend on our community volunteers to make this work the state is uh, giving occasional money in the form of grants and things of that nature but when it what it really comes down to is if we want these trails we have to make them happen, don't we? Correct. Yep. And this yep. is something that's critical to our winter economy here. We have people who come here to use these trails. Just uh, again, we talked about it in the initial segment of the program this morning, that people make trips from all over to use our snowmobile trails. People come from all over to use Sweet Town trails, don't they? Absolutely. Right. No, go ahead. Yeah, Larry. we have people come from... Um, and what's interesting is this: the the Copper Country is not the most convenient location to any major population center, but still people will will come here. They'll like somebody from the Twin Cities will. They have a lot of closer opportunities, but they'll drive the extra couple hours because of of something um, they see we're doing here, and it, it 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 really makes us feel good to see that we're attracting these people. Um, a lot of them frustrated by the lack of snow at home, so they just absolutely love any kind of weather here they encounter while they're out doing their winter activities. And um, and also it supports the, the community because we're really pumping money into the local economy, and at the heart of it all, we're, we're a community organization, and, and, and that's why we exist. Yeah, we, have, we have said for years on this program, the perfect winter for the Copper Country is one where we have enough snow and nothing falls south of U.S. too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> then they all have to come and use our snow. Jen, go ahead. I was going to say, Larry, didn't you tell me that 800 people came to the Great Bear Chase? Which is a huge, if 800 people come, and some of them are local, but a vast majority come from outside of the area, it's it's a huge, huge uh, benefit to the Copper Country. Hotel rooms, uh, meals at restaurants, mm -hmm. uh, uh, stores that uh, you know, sell stuff that people like to buy and take mm -hmm. home 
you know, because you have to give something to the kid you didn't bring, uh-huh, right? <laughs> or something like that. So all of that plays into the economy here in the winter, and it's been such a, a big booming part of our economy over the last uh, couple of decades. To see, you know, we always had summer, now we have winter. And winter has been a, a big, big help. I'm talking with Jen Shaud and Craig Hughes and Larry Zaroski from the Sweet Town Trails Club. Let's talk about a project that you have going now, Larry. You're looking at building a new chalet? Correct. We're actually looking at expanding the existing chalet. So the, the Sweet Town Chalet was built in, I believe the year was 1990, and it's now, what, 33 years old, and we've identified some limitations of it. There's a lot of good things about it, but there's, there's some needs also. So this has been the kind of thing it's been on, it's an ambitious project. It's been on the back burner for, for a while for, um, also to clarify, Calumet Township owns the building and our Sweet Town Trails Club operates it, but we, we have such a strong partnership with them that sometimes the lines blur and, you know, we forget who does what, which I think is a good thing. But, um, so finally, we had some opportunity to get some momentum on it. Um, we, the township received a grant from Portage Health Foundation, now, which is now Copper Shores, in the springtime to do a design and engineering study. And then prior to that, when we knew this was coming, um, we started kind of a, a, a laundry list of items that we'd like to see in a new building, um, kind of a... a some essentials and then and then a wish list and we we started with the chalet volunteers since they know the building the best and that, that includes myself and then we expanded to other chalet users and then to the public in general so the the number one most pressing need was that the existing facility is not accessible to all members of the community it was built before the american with disabilities act and it, it just there's there's limitations there and the second need was just a, a lack of space. As a volunteer, a chalet volunteer, I noticed the lack of storage. But we also have a, a shortage of space for our users because we host a lot of big groups. And they come in there and, like, the, um, the CLK school kids will come there and they'll just they'll be packed in there like sardines, for example. <laughs> or these out-of-town visitor groups, et cetera. So we both need we need to make it accessible to everybody and we need more space to operate effectively and then um there were other needs we identified in in terms of updating it since it's old and the and and things are dated etc etc so our kind of our wish list fed into this design study and then we the output of that was a um some preliminary like some drawings of what the new building would look like a floor plan some rough estimates of cost, et cetera, and that's kind of where we are now, and then we're kind of switching to fundraising mode to actually make this happen, and we're getting a huge amount of support from the community, which is really encouraging because that shows that that what we're doing is valued. I would guess that a building such as that takes a fair amount of abuse anyway. You've got people going in with wet boots, wet shoes, big cloggy boots, uh, carrying equipment in and out, skis and poles and such. I would imagine that that kind of use is hard on a structure anyway. 
it does take a lot of TLC for sure, and and it's just you know like Larry said, it's over thirty years old, so it's it's uh, it needs a major upgrade. Well, and as you said, thirty years ago the trails were kind of a shadow of what they are now. There weren't as many people using them, correct, and they weren't being as used for as many things. You know, now nobody was fat tire biking right on those trails thirty right. years ago, and I doubt anybody was sit skiing. I don't think so <laughs> on those trails thirty years ago. And I I know Jen, we talked to the other day about this. Much of what's there is on the second floor. Most of what's there is on the second floor. And, and for someone like yourself who can't climb stairs, that's a problem. It, it is a huge problem. And the new design is absolutely beautiful and very inclusive. One of the things I really like about it is that it, it's been designed with the principle, universal design principle, so that it's it will benefit me tremendously, but it will also benefit people with strollers. It will benefit people who who have skied and are tired and don't you know climbing the stairs to get some hot cocoa is is just one more expenditure it'll, it'll of energy. It will benefit people like me with worn out knees. Absolutely, who have more mm-hmm. and more trouble climbing stairs as we get older. You know, it's not that I can't climb a stairway. But boy, it takes a lot longer than it used to, and now I have to go one stair at a time. And so people are backed up behind me, going, "Wish that guy'd move it." So this is an—it's not just for people who are legitimately handicapped; it's for people who are pseudo kind of handicapped. I and guess. for moms with strollers, yeah. and and kids who are trying to manage skis and poles and and their ski boots, it will make everybody's life better and easier. Larry, if folks would like to support this effort, because obviously this is kind of an expensive thing, it's going to take a lot of money to do this. Uh, first question is, how, th- how can they support it? We are um, currently, we just, in fact, we just had our, um, like a kickoff meeting to talk about the big, the big picture for, for the fundraising. And, and one aspect of that is the um, applying for grants, for example, from the, the Michigan DNR, et cetera. There's a lot of grant opportunities out there. So one one way people could support that is either um, get involved in helping apply for these grants, spreading the word, or just, for example, writing a letter of support because the um, when you do a grant application, we'll ask for other letters of support, et cetera. So, pe- um, so there's that, as- that aspect of it. And then we're going to need to raise matching funds. The, these grant- the grantors always like to see that there's a lot of local support, including financially so um we're doing some of that for example in the um with our giving tuesday money in our newsletter we we stated you know some of that would be used for for the chalet project but we're going to go well beyond that over a period of years this is an ambitious multi-year project and do other fundraising activities as part of a a multi-year campaign and we're just kind of having preliminary discussions about that right now so people will be hearing a lot more about that People can also just write it, make a donation to the right. Sweet Town Trails. How can they do that? Your website? We have a website. You can send a check, or you can find the address on the website. Okay. Okay. So using the trails and being a part of the community uh, that uses the trails also helps support the grant process because we can say X number of people have have yes. have enjoyed the trails and love the trails. If a person has has a physical difference or a mom with the stroller is super excited about the idea of just being able to to push right into the trails, then then telling Larry or Craig or I or somebody on the board, that's that's helpful because we can keep that data. 
Yeah, but, and gr- people who give out grant money want to know that this is going to something that is actually going to be used and appreciated. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can demonstrate that uh, for anybody who's applying for a grant, the more that that can be demonstrated, the more likely you are to receive the grant. So mm-hmm. uh, you look at the address on the website, and if there's something that you'd like to, to say and, and to contribute as to how maybe to help get these grants to get this project started, just send a note, send a letter, uh, send an email even if you, if you want to. Larry, do you have a projected call? cost for this yeah it's roughly a 1.2 million dollars and at first we got sticker shock from that but that's the reality of cost these days yeah and anytime we've mentioned this to people they're like oh yeah i that's kind of what I expected, or maybe I wow, thought it was cheaper you know, than, more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it would be a lot more. <laughs> yeah, well, and one thing we learned. Well, I'm, I'm um, glad you're that well healed. <laughs> yeah, and it's more expensive to build a public building than, for example, a private residence because there's more stringent requirements. Well, and uh, as I mentioned oh, yeah. earlier, this is the kind of building that gets some hard use. Mm-hmm. You can't just put cheap stuff into it to begin with. You've got to build it mm-hmm. to handle the use that it's going to be getting. So uh, so uh, we're getting towards the end of the, the segment here. But uh, let's talk again just briefly about the website, because if you want to know about the trails, if you want to know about activities going on at the trails, if you'd like to become a member of the Swedetown Trails Club, you can go to the website. Yes. yes, SwedeTownTrails.org. SwedeTownTrails.org. There's a Facebook page, too, is there not? And you can follow that and mm-hmm. see what's going on at the Swedetown Trails. Uh, get involved this winter or get involved next summer or get involved both. And thank you so much to Jen Shaw and Craig Hughes and Larry Zorowski on the phone. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And uh, thank you for all for being on Copper Country today. Thank you for having us. Yes.